believe those children are happy. It's good. We are working our way through the Apostles' Creed. Let's read the Creed together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And I'm looking forward to preaching on the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Those are good themes. And today we've got a good theme. I worried about you a little bit last week. It was a pretty dark sermon, a pretty dark line in the creed. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. All true truth that appropriates for us new life, truth that delivers to us God's grace and his salvation. And yet it was a dark day when Jesus died upon the cross. We have, as we noted last week, this instrument of execution, the cross right over here on my right in almost every Christian house of worship. There is such an instrument of execution the cross upon which Jesus died. Today we look at the third day. The third day he rose again from the dead. We continue to talk about that phrase, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Last week he was crucified. Today we talk about the third day. Paul the Apostle said, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So my prayer today is that you will believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. With a heart man believes resulting in righteousness with a mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek, uh, a Baptist or a Presbyterian, doesn't matter. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's how people are saved. We talk a lot about being saved in our church because we love the fact that God saves us by his grace. He rescues us from sin. Having this consciousness of sin, this knowledge that we are sinners, it is wonderful to know we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. The third day. It's a word of prophecy. The third day is a prophecy. When we first encounter it in Scripture, we find it in Matthew 16, 21. 
Jesus is going along the road to Caesarea Philippi. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. On the third day be raised to life. This is a prophetic statement by the Lord Jesus. Peter at least understands the first part of this prophecy. He understands that Jesus is saying he's going to be betrayed by the religious professionals of his day. The religious system is going to reject him and they're going to hand him over to be executed, to be killed by the Gentiles. Peter at least understands that the Savior is saying, Jesus of Nazareth is saying, I'm about to suffer and die. Understanding that, he takes him aside to say, don't tell us that anymore. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear good news, not bad news. We don't want to hear about you suffering. Let's keep it positive, Jesus. Jesus rebukes him after that and says, you know, you cannot listen just to the flesh. You've got to listen to the Spirit. Peter. Peter does not understand the phrase on the third day, he will be raised to life. He doesn't get that. He doesn't know what to do with that. Later on in verse 23 of chapter 17, Jesus says that they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life, and the disciples were filled with grief. They understand about the first part of the prophecy. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. And the disciples are filled with grief because they do not understand the third day. On the third day, he will be raised to life. That doesn't make sense to them. They don't know what to make of that. Jesus later says they're going to hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. There are two other times when Jesus talks about the third day. When the religious professionals want a sign from him that he has authority to do these things, Jesus says, it's a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks for a sign, and no sign's going to be given you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, they didn't get that either. John records Jesus' words at the temple when some of the folks are just admiring the temple and what a magnificent structure it is. And Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will build it again. <laughs> they didn't get that either. And the enemies of Jesus took that statement and twisted it and began to say that he's an enemy of the temple. You know that's why they killed Stephen. They killed him because they thought he had turned against the temple, their most sacred space. And when they hung up Jesus to die, John alone records the statement Jesus makes. It's in John chapter 2. But Matthew and Mark both record that people passing by the cross looked up at Jesus and said, here's the fellow who is going to destroy the temple and build it again in three days. Save yourself if you're the Messiah. There were those who mocked Jesus, bringing back these words. But John, the gospel writer, records that when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll bring it, I'll build it again, he was speaking of the temple of his body. But they didn't get that. They didn't understand the prophecy. 
Neither the enemies nor the friends of Jesus understood. They couldn't understand. It was too much for them, like it's too much for us sometimes to think about the dead being raised on the third day. Raised to life? I mean, what does he mean? What does he mean? The third day begins as a prophecy. And it moves into becoming an experience for the disciples and even for the enemies of Christ. The first day is darkness and thunder and earthquake and sorrow and pain and flogging and blood and death. The second day is silence and gloom and sorrow and despair. Friends of Jesus had their faith tested more than it had ever been tested before. They gathered in the upper room afraid and confused and thinking we thought he was the one. We thought he was the one. The third day is the day of preparation when Mary and the other women are going to complete the burial ceremonies for Jesus. They had hastily wrapped him in linen, put some spices next to his body, placed him in that tomb, and did so before the Sabbath began. But now it was the third day, and the Sabbath is over. They get up while it is still dark, before the sun is risen, to go to the tomb, hoping that somebody is there who can move the stone so they can anoint the body of Jesus. They arrive to find that the tomb is open. Somebody has rolled the stone away, and the tomb is empty. And they look in, and they don't know what to think. Where is the body of Jesus gone? They go back and tell the disciples, the grave is empty. Somebody move the stone and somebody move the body. Peter and John come running to the tomb. This is the experience of the third day. It is dawn. The women have come to say the tomb is empty. They run to the tomb. John is younger. He says, I outran Peter. I got there first. I looked in to the open grave. And then Peter comes, and he says, Peter just charged right on in. He just went right in. This is the experience of the third day. On the third day, John goes in too, along with Peter, and they look at the place where the Lord's body was laid, and there is the linen, like a cocoon, as if the body has just vanished. And there is the napkin that covered his face, folded up and in a place by itself. What does this mean to Peter and John? John says he believed, but people had not seen the risen Lord at this moment. The experience of the third day is perplexity, examination, 
and wondering what has happened to the body. You and I know that the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus was not just a resuscitated body. This is a body that is a glorified body. Jesus could appear, the doors being shut. So we know from that evidence that the stone did not have to be removed for Jesus to come out of that tomb. So the third day is a day when the disciples and the women come to the tomb and God has rolled aside the stone so they could go in and see an empty grave. And we, along with them, we tag along as John and Peter go into the tomb and we look and see this grave is empty. The body is gone. Now, they don't know where the body's gone. The enemies of Jesus don't know where the body's gone. So there's going to be a discussion initiated at the very beginning, on the third day, what happened to the body of Jesus. And it is a perplexity that historians, still to this day, seek to unravel. And believers say, Jesus has risen from the dead. And some try to devise other ways that that tomb might be empty. Not believing that God can raise the dead. They seek another way. And initially, they paid the soldiers at the tomb to say, to say the disciples came and stole the body. Matthew records that for us. Mary, though, goes back to the tomb. And here's where the third day begins the, the appearances of the risen Lord. She goes back to the tomb. She doesn't know what else to do. She looks around and she is weeping and she sees the gardener, she supposes, there in the garden. And she says to him, Sir, tell me where you have taken the body of Jesus. And he says to her, Mary. Nobody says Mary like Jesus. And Mary knows when Jesus speaks her name that this is he. It is the first appearance of the risen Lord there on the third day to Mary in the garden. There are two disciples going down the road to Emmaus on the third day. They are discussing the things that have occurred. Luke records in chapter 24 that Jesus joins them as they walk along the way, but they don't recognize him. And Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one 
who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus began to explain from the Old Testament scriptures, the law and the prophets, how the scriptures foretold that he himself was the Messiah and that the Messiah must suffer and die. They prevailed upon him to stay until they reached their destination. They went in to eat. And the scripture says that Jesus broke the bread and he was known to them in the breaking of bread and then he disappeared from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? as we walked along the way and heard him explain these scriptures to us. It was the third day, and Mary had seen the risen Lord, and the couple on the road to Emmaus had seen the risen Lord, and it came to the evening time, and the disciples retreated to the upper room, and they were gathered in that place with the doors being shut, and Jesus himself appeared among them and he said peace be with you and then he showed them his hands and his feet and his side and the scripture says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw it was the Lord the third day began the appearances of the risen Lord Jesus so that the gospel account is not simply the account of an empty tomb, though that in itself is awesome, but also an account by Mary and John, who was an eyewitness, and Peter and the other disciples, accounts of seeing the risen Christ in a glorified body. We have seen the Lord. The angel said he was alive, and now Mary has seen him, and, and Peter and James and John have seen him, and the couple on the road to Emmaus have seen him. All in order that we might believe, confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and believing in our hearts, God raised him from the dead. To believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is a cataclysmic intellectual and spiritual event. It changes everything about life. The scripture says, for I received what I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the Apostle Paul, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. 
the appearances of the Lord Jesus in a resurrected body recorded by the Apostle Paul in one of his earliest letters. We call it 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 15. And there he goes through these appearances of the Lord Jesus to numbers of people, 500 even at once, he says. He says you can check it out because many of these folks are still alive. Our eyewitnesses, Peter and John, lived out their lives in severe persecution and threat of death. And even some of these original eyewitnesses faced martyrdom for their faith in Christ, but they would not deny their confession. He is alive. We have seen the Lord. He appeared to us in the room, on the way, by the sea. Their eyewitness accounts come down to us. And we tag along with them. On the third day, as we see the empty tomb and see the risen Lord and confess that God in Christ has done a most wonderful, awesome thing. He has broken the grip of death upon those who believe and set us free from the fear of death that all our lives imprisons us. It is transformational to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And what I pray for you today is that you will confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead so you can experience the transformation of your life, the salvation that God's provided for you through his son, Jesus. Having said that, I know sometimes that people who hear about the resurrection and even say they believe Jesus rose from the dead and that that grave was empty still live as if it is the second day instead of the third. It's true. I'm telling you. There are people who say they believe in the resurrection of Jesus who feel in their hearts that the cemetery is the ultimate reality in life. Yes, the birds fly, and yes, the sky is beautiful, and the sun comes up in the morning, and God gives us all these good gifts, but ultimately, we die. And that's what life is about for them. Somehow, in their experience of living, they have failed to integrate the truth of the resurrection into their attitude, their actions, their thinking, their lives, their relationships. They're living as if the second day is the reality. And Paul cries out in one place, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. There is power in the resurrection to move you from a life that is focused on gloom, suffering, pain, loss, and sorrow to a life that is looking forward to the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. There's a transformation, a turnaround that needs to occur in the soul, in the spirit, in the mind, in the heart of every human being who says, I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. We need to live in the third day. We worship on this third day, celebrating the resurrection. Every week we do this to be reminded that the ultimate reality 
for all of us is Jesus, raised from the dead. Our risen Savior. This is truth. And it is truth that transforms. Peter, however, has a problem. He raced to the empty tomb. He saw that tomb empty on the third day. He was there on the third day when Jesus appeared to them and showed them his hands and feet. He was. But he still says, I'm going fishing. Hey, Peter, what's wrong with you, man? Jesus is risen from the dead and you're going fishing? What's going on with Peter? What's wrong with Peter? He used to be a fisherman. Before Jesus called him, Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men, Peter. And for three years, he followed Jesus. He heard him teach. He saw the miracles. He was the best friend Jesus had. He was the leader of the group. And now he's going fishing. Something broke inside of Peter. The day that Jesus died. Jesus knew it was coming and Peter never saw it. Peter was so afraid in the courtyard where they tried Jesus that when he was confronted, he said, no, I'm not a Galilean. No, I don't know Jesus. What, him? No, I'm not one of them. I'm not. I don't know who he is. You don't know what you're talking about. And after denying the Lord three times, the Lord Jesus himself, in his suffering, caught Peter's eye across the campfire in that courtyard. And it broke his heart. And the scripture says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. People experience that you know, even after they trust in Jesus sometimes, even after they say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, they do things that they're ashamed of. And they know those things shame the name of Jesus, whom they said they believed in. And they feel that they have fallen from favor with God and maybe they're still his but they're second class in the kingdom they're second class citizens they can't ever get back to where they were before I think Peter felt that way I think he felt like he'd fallen too far he could never really be restored fully to where he'd been and there's somebody in this room who feels that way. And you live in the second day instead of the third because you fell too far. You sinned too much. You broke God's law. And you can't seem spiritually in your mind and your heart to get back to where you were. And maybe you think you don't deserve it. Jesus had to actually kind of trap Peter. 
Jesus came to him by the Sea of Galilee after he was done fishing. And he saw it was the Lord. He threw himself into the water. He swam to the shore. Jesus brought him bread and fish to eat. And across another campfire, Jesus caught Peter's eye. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He said the second time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. He said the third time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Let Jesus catch your eye again. Do you still love him? He didn't die on the cross to make you a second-class citizen of the kingdom of heaven. He died on the cross to restore you fully and completely. His grace is greater than all your sin. Amen? Amen. He died so he could lift you out of the miry clay, set your feet on the rock to stay. He, he, he saved you, and in his grace, he made you a part of the inner circle, his sons and his daughters. You're not a second-class citizen in the kingdom. You're not somebody lower that cannot be restored. You are the apple of his eye, his jewel and his crown. He loves you still as much as he ever did, and you'll, you'll give him a chance. He'll capture your heart again. And you will confess his love for every time you failed him. And know that he has restored you completely in his grace. You will live in the third day when you are able to receive freely the forgiveness he freely gives to you. Can you do it? It's part of believing God raised him from the dead. That there's nothing in this life that can separate you from the love of God. Make your own list, whatever it is. Nothing can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Risen from the dead, he secures a place for us at the Father's side. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. Amen. As his sons and his daughters, that's where we sit, secure in him. Not because we're good, not because we've done so well, but because the Son of God, descended from glory, gave himself on the cross for our sin and delivered us by paying our sin debt. He who knew no sin became sin for a reason. You're the reason. So that you could have right standing with God right now. Bow with me, please. Two things going on right now. Father God, do your work in us. The first is that everybody in the room might confess that Jesus is Lord.
and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You say, well, I don't know if I have that faith. Well, ask God for the faith. God will stir the faith in you. Pray with the faith you've got to the God who loves you and made you. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Second thing, that those who believe might live in the glory, liberty, and joy of the third day. God, get us there. Holy Spirit, bring us to that place where we can live in the light of the third day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.